Making a recipe that calls for butter? Make it better with European butter from France. With a minimum of 82% butter fat, it's no wonder French butter is the number one choice of chefs the world over. Whether you're whipping up an omelet, sauteing vegetables, or spreading it on toast, the rich, cultured flavor of butter from France always elevates. Be sure to look for Made in France on the label. And for recipes, tips, and tricks, go to tasteeurope.com. It is the great connector. It is, you know, I always say, the, the, if those boys from ISIS would just sit with me and have some chocolate cake, everything would be okay. They wouldn't think about killing me until after they finished the cake. You're listening to The Taste Podcast. I'm Editor-in-Chief Matt Rodbard, here with Senior Editor Anna Hiesel. On today's show, we have Phil Rosenthal, host of the Netflix series Somebody Feed Phil. We also have Game of Thrones creator George R.R. R. Martin talking about his favorite New York City pizza spots. What did you and Phil talk about, Matt? Well, Phil and I really chopped it up about Los Angeles restaurants. Phil is what you'd call a dynamic diner in Los Angeles. He really knows what's going on. And we talked at length about Bavel, which is his front runner for restaurant of the year. We also went back in the time machine and talked about New York in the 1980s, specifically the restaurants like Cote Basque and the Quilted Giraffe, places where Phil went as a young and poor writer where he would save up and, and, and go, go to these four-star restaurants once a year. So the guy has always been passionate about food. Like oh. It's kind of inevitable that he would have a food show someday. Oh, for sure. When he ran the show Everybody Loves Raymond, he had many, many recalled as the best craft service in Los Angeles. What were they eating on the set of that show? They were like airmailing in deli from New York. They were, they were airmailing in tacos from Mexico City. It was really impressive. And then we get to the show, which is one of my favorites in all of television. It It's a really cool show. It democratizes food in a cool way. It, it really is the least arrogant travel food show you're going to find in a genre that is pretty arrogant. Here's Matt talking with Phil Rosenthal. Phil Rosenthal, welcome to the Taste Podcast. I'm uh, so happy I love to seeing you, Matt. It's uh, it's been a few months. It's been a few. We months. need you back in LA. I got things to show you. I know you're on top of the scene. You're an investor in Moza and Pizzeria Moza, and you just are always out. We met. We went to uh, Tacos Trejo. So where should I go in LA right now? Bavel. Okay, so Bavel is what. Bavel is Ori Menashe's restaurant. So he's from Israel, yeah. but he got famous in L.A. doing a more commercial venture as his first restaurant, which was Bestia. Bestia. And that's excellent. Yeah. But this is another level. This is coming from his heart, his history, his homeland, his the, whatever he's learned over the years being a chef. He's put it all into this thing. I think I'm going to say it <laughs> on your show. Yeah. Restaurant of the Year. It's an amazing place. I went to there a few months ago, and I love how the fireplace is like the centerpiece of it, the yes. big, uh, big wood grill. And Yes. This I, is happening. This is a trend I uh, see. People like fire. People like cooking with <laughs> fire, like less between you and the organic <laughs> source of heat, right? So uh, uh, Hearth and Hound is another one where April have, have been there yet. Uh, I've heard great things, yeah. I'm taking you there. Yeah, yeah. So the, also, everything fire. Yeah. Right? And And- What's amazing, you went to Bavel. Yeah, I loved it. The roasted mushrooms? 
Did you have them on the skewers? Oh, definitely. Yeah. You don't even miss meat. No, and you they had They remind great... you everything of what a charcoal grilled steak tastes like without being And meat. a pepper, uh, dehydrated pepper on top of it. Like yes. Like a pepper uh, rub, which is delicious. Desserts were great there. Every single detail has been thought about. At, like, you order the hummus, and it's some of the best hummus you ever had, Right. And then there's a hummus with duck nuja, yeah, which is spicy sausage made with duck Elaborate in the middle. And, yes, right, yeah, sausage. Yeah. And then the pita for that is the lightest, fluffiest, cloud-like bread of any kind you've ever had. But if you order the baba ganoush, you get a different pita, yeah. a fried pita, but lightly fried. I don't know how he does it. It's almost like toasted or something it, with like orange zest yep. in it. It's insane to me. I love that you are atta- attracted to the pitas there because we we were talking about Mike Salmanov's pitas as a hobby. I love Philly. them. I love I, – he's a genius too. Yeah, and you filmed with him on your show. It, Israeli food seems to be the yeah. food of the moment, doesn't it? Yeah. Everywhere I've been on my travels, yeah. I'm seeing there's falafel everywhere. There's Israeli Middle Eastern food. Israeli yeah. food, by the way, it means – everything from the Middle East, yeah. everything from Jewish heritage, everything. It's all like a – like. Well, I guess what we consider American food is yeah. a mishmash of everything that of Americans. It's a beautiful culture. Yeah. I want to get into your show. I, I, I love it. But I first want to find out about – on your show, your New York episode, which I love. I Thank love that you. the rapid pace of it. It's like Thank a really you. original um, uh, production. Thank but I think you mentioned how you spent many of your birthdays living in New York, going to four-star meals as, yes. a, as a young poor writer, yes. but you saved up money. Yes. And I wanted to hear about a few of those. Okay. What were some of the places that you went to in so New York? Just to, just to, in case you're wondering how I could afford to go, I literally saved my pennies. I ate tuna fish for dinner most every night, or a slice of pizza, or a hot dog. Anything that I could ha- had a coupon for. But once a year on my birthday, I saved up and went to a four-star restaurant because I was reading about it in the New York Times. Who was the critic at the time? Was it Roy Scholl? Oh, no, it was before that, probably. Before her. Claiborne? Craig Claiborne? Probably before... Well, we Mimi Sheridan, probably. I want to say Mimi Sheridan. Yeah. Okay, so who... This were, would have been the 80s. Yeah, Mimi. Okay. So what were some of the places that you remember? I believe the first one was Lutes. Oh, wow. Le Cote Basque. Le yep. Grand Oui. Yeah. Okay? The Quilted Giraffe. Oh, my Did God. Did you ever hear of that one? Of course. That was the first place I'd been where yeah. if... Uh, three of us were sitting at a table. By the way, we had I had another uh, idiot friend, my roommate Rob, who also saved up, and it was his birthday the same week. So we would go, yeah. and we couldn't afford dates, so we would split one. <laughs> we brought a girl. That's what we could afford. <laughs> one girl. Just to class it up. You had to have a, yeah. Just make it special. <laughs> so three of us, every one of us at the Quilted Giraffe had our own waiter. Mm-hmm. And every course that came had a silver dome over it, and they would c- choreograph it. So they mm-hmm. they put the dome down, and one, two, three, reveal all at the same time. Yeah. So it was like, you know, being in Disneyland theater. It's, a, it's theater. theater. It's a show. It's magical. It's fun. And yeah. then, by the way, it's delicious. I loved it. I love that old school. I love that you mentioned these French, the war horses of French, the French restaurants from the 80s of New York. Yes. We forget about that. One of them's still there, La Bernardin. La Bernardin. I remember the day it opened, and I remember the day it got a four-star review. I called my new girlfriend. <laughs> Her name was Monica. <laughs> and I said, did you see the paper? And she's like, what? I bothered her at work. I said, 
LaBernadette got a four star review. She's like, "What? What are you doing? You're like a freak, <laughs> yeah, calling yeah. me." Tell and me, I took her. Oh, what a guy! <laughs> I want to know. Food is clearly part of celebrating life, and when you when you sold Everybody Loves Raymond, how did you celebrate with food? Was there was there a moment when you realized this show's going to happen? I got to be honest. We celebrated every single day with food. <laughs> we had the best craft service in town. To me, at what I learned yeah. about working in on shows, yeah. some of whom were stingy with the food. Right. Like I remember working. I was working on I for somebody else on a hit show. This show was popular. We got a Roseanne, memo. Coach. No, I won't tell you. OK. Uh, <laughs> One uh, of you, maybe. <laughs> I, I, a memo was sent around and I swear to God, this is the memo. And, and this was now I'm going to say over 20 years ago, but I'll never forget the exact words of the memo. We noticed some of you are putting milk on your cereal when you come into the kitchen in the morning. Milk is for coffee. Cereal is for snacks. We do not provide breakfast for you. It's a dry cereal zone. <laughs> exactly. And I remember reading that and going, wow, they sent a memo about this. I said, if I'm ever lucky, I said it right there, if I'm ever lucky enough to have my own show, we're going to have milk on our cereal. <laughs> and you upgraded it further and further and you had great service. I'm telling you, Absolutely. we had, we flew in deli from new york yeah we had food trucks before they were popular we had uh once a year crab claws come in yeah. from joe stone crabs uh it was special because what that does is it makes a family yeah and now i've, re- I've read ray romano your your star of the show yes he, he was a picky eater yes he, he was also kind of pedestrian with his yes. taste but you kind of changed that right over the time uh, you evo- you evolved his palate. Well, he's a creature of habit, yeah. and he's he's in his comfort zone, and I understand that. But when he tries something like, let's say, sushi, yeah. and likes it, then that becomes the thing he doesn't deviate from, right? Like if we were going to yeah. go for sushi, it was going to be the same, same place every Friday, and he was going to get the same order. Those people are so boring. But – Okay, yes. <laughs> can, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, I love him in The Big Sick. I mean, his career He's, has really no, kind of gone in a cool spot. He couldn't spot. be better. And, you yeah. know, the whole genesis of my show now yeah. came from seeing him get turned on when we went to Italy for Raymond. Yeah, right. I saw that what happened to the character that I wrote, a guy who doesn't want to go, which is literally where I got the idea from the actor, Raymond. He was afraid to get on a plane even was actually said the words i'm not really interested in other cultures oh boy. said this to me oh boy i said that's where i got the idea yeah. we got to do that episode and then i saw him change yeah. he's got it hey phil have you tried this gelato yes i have ray isn't it good yes <laughs> yes that's why we're here that's one of the reasons and yeah but seeing him get woke yeah i said i want to do this for other people yeah so that's why i'm here I want to know, uh, just dining out in L.A. with actors and comedians yeah. and writers, who is your crew, who is your posse, who are you eating out with? Anyone who wants to eat. I don't yeah. have really a posse. Do you posse. have like, any like writers or, or, or anybody of note? Well, I have my old buddies from Raymond. Yeah. You know, once, you, once you do a sitcom or any show yeah. for a length of time, our show was nine years, these are now your best friends. These are now your war buddies. Yeah. So you have a shorthand with your friends that you don't have with anyone else. I love going out with new people. I love yeah. like if, you know, I get to meet wonderful 
people that I've idolized for years, and sometimes they'll go have lunch with me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the best thing when you when you had that random like meet up with a friend who you know from other worlds, yes. like a, like a writer, and yes. and you really connect over the meal. Like you guys, we met that way. I thought it was a really cool way. It's really fun, isn't it? But listen, we all have to eat anyway. I always say food is the great connector. And for me, laughs are then the cement. <laughs> I love that. You seem to ha- – I, I want to talk about the show because I'm a huge fan of it. Um, I, I love the way you democratize food. I think it's a really refreshing take on the te- television travel food show. Um, I also have a lot of friends in my life who are under the age of 10, and they're all huge fans of Somebody Feed Phil. I got to tell you, it's the most it, – it, it's surprising, first of all. I had no I, – I wasn't trying to appeal to little kids, but I'm hearing that there's something about me that's like a little kid that they identify with. Uh, I'm not trying. I don't even like kids. <laughs> no, You raised two, two pretty cool kids. No, I love – They're in your uh, show. I had to get a laugh. But I love kids and it's yeah. my absolute favorite thing. People are sending me videos of two-year-olds imitating me. Oh, that's really cute. What are some of the favorite scenes that kids have like commented on? Uh, I don't know. I, they seem to love the song, first of all. Oh, and I don't great. blame them. Yeah, the song's great. I mean, it's old-fashioned sitcom music no, is I love it. what it's a take on. So the kids, the 10-year-olds and under, love the theme song. They love you, your they, enthusiasm. They, they, they also love the travel. They love the yes. idea that you're going to these places, but you're not like looking at plating and you're not talking about the philosophy of plating too much. Oftentimes, you will dive into these. Well, it gets top- your attention. When it gets your attention, yeah. I'm like everybody else. I take a picture for Instagram. I, 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 I do. I <laughs> yeah. mean, I, if, if, and I know that a lot of food is being designed now for mm-hmm. that. Uh, I fall for it. But let me tell you this. It's meaningless if it doesn't taste good. I agree. And you are always driven by places that you've been, like gelato shops yeah. or sushi parlors. Or, it's all about what's delicious. Yes. And then it's important because a lot of food media, I think, is produced with that not really in mind. That's why I love Dan Barber. Yeah. Because he's he's the cutting edge innovator. Yeah. Uh, it, this is not a cheap place. Uh, uh, Stone Hill. Yeah. Uh, Blue Stone Hill Barnes. at Stone Barns, yeah, right? Stone he also has a Blue Hill in the village. Yeah. But Stone Barns, I recommend to anybody who wants to save up their pennies and come to New yeah. York and drive a half an hour north into Westchester and yeah. go to this farm where everything you're going to eat is from there or around there, and your mind will be blown because it's all about the preservation of what's great in mm-hmm. our soil. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. And that's where everything starts. He's written books about it. The Third Plate is a great book. I don't, have you read it? I've uh, not. I've written about it, but I've yeah. not read it. It's, it's very good. It. Yeah. And, you know, he's a genius. And you're seeing yeah. stuff, beautiful plates of food, Yeah. really interesting stories behind how this butternut squash got shrunk mm-hmm. down over time and breeding to become mm-hmm. not just the most nutritious vegetable on earth, mm-hmm. but the most delicious Right. And it's all about he understands that none of this science or philosophy would mean anything if it wasn't delicious. It wasn't delicious. There are chefs who don't care so much about that. We won't name them. But uh, they're not my favorite because I'm all about. Yeah. What do I get out of it? The flavor. (laughs) Okay, so you filmed in Copenhagen, Venice, Dublin, Buenos Aires, Cape Town, New York. To name a few. Not terrible. Let's play this game where um, where I tell you where you should go next. 
Should, I, should we play this game? You sound like uh, everyone I meet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there's two two in mind, and these yeah. are really truly off the dome. Yeah. The first is is South Korea. Korea, of course. I I just you have such a point of view. Um, living in Los Angeles, have you done it. Uh, I've been there four times. Oh, boy. I love Korea. Yeah, I wrote a book about Korea. Wow. And I think it's one of my. I think that you would have an amazing time. Um, unraveling both the food culture but also yeah. a lot of the architecture there you're very how about this if i go you might have to meet me there i think that would be really one of great. my sidekicks i think it would be amazing you, you need to show me where to go because okay. i don't know enough I, I, I did stop in seoul on my way to bangkok and uh, uh i was just in the airport but i could already see the culture yeah in the airport a little it's a really interesting place and the other one is philadelphia i'm with is you that- I love Philly. My wife is from Philly, so oh. I've had occasion to go back. Oh. The restaurant scene there is exploding. Absolutely. But it's exploding in a many, many places. I yeah. can honestly say, I think, I know it's generalizing, I think you can get a good meal almost anywhere now. I think, you mean anywhere in Philly? Anywhere on earth. Whoa. Because wow. of the internet. Got big. Like a boy in Peoria can see what a chef in Paris is doing and emulate it. That information wasn't as readily available 20 years ago. So the entire food scene, this is just through personal observation. Again, I haven't been everywhere, but just what I'm seeing, like I did a show in Ireland, never famous for its food. Now, great. It really was, and you really focused on the seafood and like the yeah. aquaculture. The sea, you went yeah. out with a seaweed, seaweed farmer. Seaweed is a big deal. Seaweed's there. great there. The water is so clean in, yes. in Ireland. I love that episode. So, okay, you indulged me with mine, but where do you? Where are you going to go? Where do you want to go? Some other locations? Only for your future the rest of the world. Okay. Please call Netflix and say Phil needs to go to the rest of the world. We're yeah. not getting the complete picture. Well, you've had two courses. Is <laughs> yes. this like a Red Zeppi kind of thing where you're going to have 16 seasons and 16 courses? Why not? I agree. Why not? I mean, I'm game if they are. I I need to wait. They they want to see how this season does. Yeah, well, stay They it. care about numbers. They don't tell anybody about their numbers, though. <laughs> Probably not even you. <laughs> They've been very supportive, though, and yeah. very nice. And Good the joke. beautiful thing about Netflix is... You do your episodes, they push a button, simultaneously Mm -hmm. on everywhere on earth. We just, my wife and I just got back from a vacation in Europe, people stopping us everywhere. Amazing. It is, it's a crazy feeling. Where do you vacation? That's a, that's an interesting topic when you're, when you are traveling for your job, though it is a job and you're on production waking up at 6am, jet lag, but where do you vacation? Everywhere. I love, I love to travel. If, I, if they canceled the show today, I would have to console myself with just traveling. Yeah. <laughs> right? I would do exactly what I would do if I had the show. Where were you in your last I, trip? On my last trip, I wanted to take Monica to Lisbon because yeah. she wasn't there when we filmed. Here's the other great thing why you should travel. First of all, you go. You see the incredible mm-hmm. place. You make friends. Now you have another job to do. Go back and visit those friends. It's a really good you point. You have a lot of work to do, people. You have to go the first time, make the friends, yeah. go see other places, but also go back and see those friends. There's nothing more fun. I agree. It's a great uh, strategy when you're traveling, especially in like Europe, or you can get around on trains where you pick one city you know and then one city you don't know. That's and it right. kind of goes out in like... And that's a vacation. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you, we ask all of our guests on the Taste Podcast, um, tell me, what is your dream cookbook that you would want to write oh my cookbook would be awful because i'm i'm not a cook (laughs) i'm a fan yeah people say well you have this uh travel and food show how could you isn't it hypocritical for you to no i'm a fan listen i meet a lot of great chefs in the world they can't write a sitcom 
It's true. We all contribute in our way, right? <laughs> so I'm just a fan. My cookbook would be the recipes that I love the best from yeah. the chefs I idolize. And who are some of those? Give me so it's an Dan anthology. Dan Barber, Dan, right? Michael about, Salamanov, yeah. uh, Ari Minaj, yeah. uh, everyone we just mentioned, and yeah. a million more. Nancy that, Silverton, of course, yeah. my favorite. Yeah, come on, these are great. I mean, these are my heroes. Yeah, I, these are artists. And the reason uh, I invest in restaurants is yeah. to not to make money. That's a stupid thing to do. But <laughs> it is a stupid thing. <laughs> it's I'm supporting the arts. My wife and I believe in arts education. Yeah. Right? A lot of people think the arts are disposable, and I always say, no, they're the answer. I agree. And I think food as art, food as healing, has a lot of healing properties. Of course. Like when you, learn to, when you learn to cook as a child, it helps you. It is the great connector. It I, is, you know, I always say, the, the, if those boys from ISIS would just sit with me and have some chocolate cake, everything would be okay. Jew boy from New York no, hanging out with ISIS. Yes, they wouldn't think about killing me until after they finished the cake. <laughs> this is a new cake diplomacy with yeah. ISIS. Well, I sing. <laughs> I'm going to change it. <laughs> Phil Rosenthal, thank you for joining the Taste Podcast. I love you. Here's Game of Thrones author George R.R. R. Martin talking about pizza in New York City. Well, New York City pizza is the best pizza in the world. I mean, I live in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and, you know, we have a couple decent places that serve New York style, but it's not New York, even New York style. I think the secret to the, the best New York pizza is, uh, number one, the crust has to be thin. The thinner, the better. It can't, the crust can't get too thin. But it also has to have a flavor to it. And the best New York City pizza places, and many of them are good. You can walk into any any place in New York pizza, street place, and get a slice, and it's, it's better than what you'll get in 97% of America. Um, but the very best are the handful of places that still have coal-fired ovens. I mean, you see people advertising coast-to-coast wood-fired ovens. That's certainly better than a gas oven, but a coal-fired oven gives the pizza a taste. It gives the crust a char and a smokiness that you can't get from any other thing. And, of course, you're not allowed to build new buildings anymore with coal-fired ovens because they don't want coal in the air. But the older buildings are grandfathered in. So uh, a couple days ago, I ate at John's on Bleecker Street. There's a terrific John's on 44th Street where I often eat in the theater district. But the original one is down on Bleecker Street in the village, and they have a coal-fired oven, and it was just amazing. It was terrific. Uh, Lombardi's, um, also down in Little Italy, is another coal-fired oven and another place that's really wonderful. Uh, if you go over to Brooklyn, there are some amazing pizza places over there that you can check out. Defara's is uh, is one that I you have to like stand in line for three hours, and then you get in. They have four tables, and a and then the guy who makes the pizza is like 137 years old. So, but the pizza is amazing. So uh, yeah, uh, New York City pizza, food of the gods. Don't get any weird stuff on it, though. None of this sprouts or pineapple or anything like that. You get a, a basic plain pie, um, cheese, maybe some pepperoni, maybe some sausage, you know. But don't go crazy with the toppings. It's not, you know, get the basic, pure pizza experience.
The Taste Podcast is hosted by Matt Rodbard and me, Anna Hiesel. The show is produced by Gabrielle Lewis, studio recordings by Pat Stango, theme music by Steve Rydell. Interviews are recorded live at Books Are Magic in Cobble Hill, Brooklyn, and at Penguin Random House Studios in Manhattan. Visit Taste online at tastecooking.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>